Hi, I'm Christina Hubbard. I'm a writer and speaker, and you're listening to the Creative and Free Podcast, where creative hearts come fully alive to the pursuit of joy. This is episode 32. Today I'm sharing three poems that have helped me to shore up hope and have sustained me through this very long winter filled with so much turmoil and darkness. Personally, I haven't been able to sustain a regular schedule very well. I found myself exhausted and, well, wouldn't you say winter is tough enough without COVID and mobs descending on the U.S. Capitol? So all that to say, my writing and podcasting have suffered in regularity. But the beauty of it is I've been able to turn to an old friend, poetry. Poetry is a place I turn to when I'm distressed or I need a real rest. I guess you could say it's my love language. In college, I used to read poetry to my boyfriend over the phone late at night. He tried to act interested, but most of the time he admittedly set the phone down or dozed off. He turned out to be my husband and I quickly learned not to read him poetry after 10 p.m. In our distracted, rather frantic society, we tend to set poetry on hold, put it to the side, doze off in the middle of it, or just plain ignore it because maybe we don't understand it. And who's really got time for poetry? And who's got the capacity to understand all those fancy words? Well, I'd love to make the case that it's something that we can make time for because poetry can give us bandwidth and that present living, that sense of being in the here and now, we all want so much. I find that poetry does many things for me. It it has served me well throughout my life. I think I first connected with it when I was a child and I found poems that were putting words to sound. And quickly I learned that poetry can give expression to thoughts and emotions that I had, but didn't know how to put into words myself. But someone else was there throwing out an image or a scene or just a line that captured what I was thinking and feeling, something buried deep within me that just wanted to be expressed. Poetry also helped me connect with myself, that artistic part of myself, that part of myself that longed for beauty. And quickly I learned that poetry is a great way to connect with nature as well. There's so many poems about animals and creation and, um, just the beauty of our world. Poetry helps me connect with God and with others. Sometimes a line from a poem can just be that thing that connects you with someone else. It can be an image in a poem. It can be a shared idea. And you don't have to be a writer of poetry or even a connoisseur of poetry to appreciate it. Um, There are many famous poems that become universal ways to express a thought and to connect with others because someone else knows that poem. If you think about nursery rhymes and popular songs, those are in essence poems and we share them in our collective imagination. 
It can also be a great way to just get out of your own head to get what is buried in you onto the page. It can be a healthy way to to journal and to to listen to the world um, because what what's inside my head might connect with what's on the page and I'm I feel seen and known. Poetry is also a great way to ex- to expose yourself to new images and new perspectives, a new way of thinking. One of my favorite things about poetry is the turn that you find in so many great poems when it surprises you and you're like, wow, I just never thought of it that way. Poetry, I think most importantly, helps us to re-envision life. Amanda B. Gorman did that on Inauguration Day a few weeks ago. Her poem captured the sense of hope and strength we were all longing for. Uh, She called us outside of ourselves. She called us to something greater. I think what I love about poetry the most is that it, it puts our past in perspective. It positions us in the here and now, and it propels us toward what is possible. The first poem I want to share with you is by Derek Mahone from Selected Poems. It's called Everything is Going to Be All Right. How should I not be glad to contemplate the clouds clearing beyond the dormer window and high tide reflected on the ceiling? There will be dying. There will be dying. But there is no need to go into that. The poems flow from the hand unbidden, and the hidden source is the watchful heart. The sun rises in spite of everything, and the far cities are beautiful and bright. I lie here in a riot of sunlight, watching the daybreak and the clouds flying. Everything is going to be all right. I heard this poem, I think, for the first time in December, and it it made me think of of the light that often comes in in the wintertime through the windows. I know in my own house in the living room in the afternoon, the sun comes through the slats just perfectly. And if you're lying on the couch, you can get a nice sun bath in the middle of winter. But if you think about just how wonderful it is to contemplate the way the light comes in, um, the way that a small manifestation of brilliance can come into our life and be reflected on the ceiling, a dormer window and the high tide reflected on the ceiling. Um, Like we need that in winter. We need those small little incarnational moments when beauty hits us, even when we're stuck inside. And uh, those two lines, there will be dying, there will be dying, but there is no need to go into that, really, I think, captures what our society is feeling right now. Um, Yes, there is dying, but for a moment, can we just not go there? Can we just have a break 
And to think that the small brilliances of beauty are those poems that flow from the hand unbidden, but we have to be the watchful heart. We have to be paying attention that today, yes, the sun rises in spite of everything. And maybe you can lie on your couch in a riot of sunlight and watch either watch the daybreak or the day go down and, and see the clouds flying. And just, I love that last line. Everything is going to be all right. I mean, I need to hear that probably 10 times a day. This next poem is called Thanks by W.S. Merwin. Listen, with the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stopping on the bridges to bow from the railings. We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water thanking it standing by the windows looking out in our directions. Back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging, after funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you. In doorways and in the backs of cars and in elevators, remembering wars and the police at the door and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you thank you. In the banks, we are saying thank you. In the faces of the officials and the rich and of all who will never change, we go on saying thank you, thank you. With the animals dying around us, taking our feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. Thank you. We are saying and waving, dark though it is. This poem, I think, speaks for itself on so many levels. I was really struck by this because right at New Year and after all the excitement of Christmas fell off and we're just left with with midwinter, with January, with, okay, what's next? I don't know about where you live, but it gets very gray here in Kansas in January. And it just felt like event after world event after tragedy was happening. And I found that in spite of all that, in spite of all the bad that was happening and the way the world seemed to be escalating and the fact that every day we're, we're faced with these terrible things, this poem does not deny any of that. In fact, it names them all. But in spite of that, thank you. That practice of gratitude, that practice of saying thank you changes everything. It can change how we see the moment. It can tune us into the fact that we're alive and that sometimes is enough. That even when we're faced with the terrible thing or the terrible person or, um, you know, the, the speed of our world, 
that still we can say thank you. And we have to keep saying it. We have to say it in the face of war and the face of our everyday, you know, going to the bank in the faces of officials and the faces of the rich and um, the forests falling around us and, and all of these things, the cities growing over us, even when the world feels like it's taking us over, that practice of saying thank you, it changes us. And from that point, we can change how we interact with the world. We can change you know, I can change myself and sometimes that is enough. And I think it's so important to do in the moment, in the small moments, because that's what our lives are made of. This last poem is by the artist and writer Jan Richardson. It's called, For Those Who Have Far to Travel, An Epiphany Blessing. Epiphany, if you didn't know, is the season from January 6th, marking when the wise men came to see Jesus and goes through the early years of Jesus, his time in the wilderness, when he is baptized, his first miracle, the wedding at Cana, and on through the transfiguration up until the season of Lent. Epiphany basically is God incarnate come to be with us, Christ in the flesh who came to be among us. For those who have far to travel, if you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. Call it one of the mercies of the road that we see it only by stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping, step by single step. There is nothing for it but to go, and by our going take the vows the pilgrim takes. To be faithful to the next step, to rely on more than the map, to heed the signposts of intuition and dream, to follow the star that only you will recognize, to keep an open eye for the wonders that attend the path, to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, beyond what would tempt you from the way. There are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path, and the new ones you will need to make when the road is revealed by turns you could not have foreseen. Keep them, break them, make them again. Each promise becomes part of the path. Each choice creates the road that will take you to the place where at last you will kneel to offer the gift most needed, the gift that only you can give before turning to go home by another way. This poem captures so much the journey I feel that that I am on of taking step after step, not knowing what the future holds. Personally, I have struggled with my sense of calling, my own sense of what is next in my life because COVID and other life circumstances sort of put those things on hold. 
And uncertainty is is the hallmark of of this time. It is not knowing what the next step is. And and if we could see the journey whole, we might never undertake it. We might never take the next step. But it is a mercy in a way that we can only see in stages. We can only see what is before us. You know, if you imagine walking up a mountain and and at times you have to pace yourself and sometimes all you can do is look at your shoes, you know, the next step. Because if you look all the way up, you're going to be overwhelmed by what you see ahead. And really there is nothing for it, nothing for us but to go on and to keep taking the vows that the pilgrim takes to be faithful. We can't rely on our map because all our maps have been destroyed. We have these signposts like the wise men. We have, we have the gift of God guiding us each day. And for some of us, that looks different. So I'm, my circumstances are going to be different from yours. And I can only see what my star is, the star that God has given me. And if we keep our eyes open, we can press on. I think the, the lines that struck me the most from this poem was to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, beyond what would tempt you from the way. Because I have been tempted so many times to quit on so many levels lately. And that line, there are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path and the new ones you will need to make. Um, Because the road is only revealed turn by turn. And we've all made promises. Um, We're keeping them, we're breaking them, we're making them again. But all those promises are like little segments of each path that we've made, these choices that we make with the information that we have. And if we look backwards, we might just crumble to pieces. If we look too far forwards, we might do the same. But really, all of these these choices that we've all had to make. And um, I know for me, the, the small things that I'm doing, they really do matter. They add up to the journey. And an idea that's really hit me lately is that a beautiful life is not how much we enjoy it. it it's how much of an adventure it is. And if we think of if I think of this time as an adventure, I can handle it so much better. If I can think of it as a journey, I had so much fun putting myself into the shoes of the wise men with several different poems because I, it could relate to the hardness of their journey and how bleak it must have felt. T.S. Eliot writes a poem called The Journey of the Magi, and there's a few lines I'll just read that really struck me a cold coming we had of it just the worst time of year for the journey and such a long journey the ways deep and the weather sharp the very dead of winter a hard time we had of it at the end we preferred 
to travel all night sleeping in snatches with the voices ringing in our ears saying that this was all folly. So imagining myself as one of the the magi, one of the wise men, it helped me to picture that journey, to picture the difficulty of it and to know that I was not alone. I'm not the first person to make a difficult journey. And um, this poem, uh, the one by T.S. Eliot, I think kind of drove me to find this one by Jan Richardson. And I love this last this last stanza, to offer the gift most needed, the gift that only you can give before turning to go home by another way. So we all have a gift that we can give to God. And what is that gift that is only mine? It is myself. I can give myself to him. And really, all the things that have been detoured, all my plans and strivings that have been put on hold or, or are coming about in a different way. I guess I've seen the folly in, in them. So I hope that this poem also helps you to see something of your own journey in it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope these poems spoke to you in some way that yes, everything is going to be all right. Also that we can say thanks in spite of all the bad things going on. And the journey we are on holds significance for the way we live and who we become on this journey in Christ. I'll put links to the poems in the show notes for you. Also, you can subscribe to my email letter at christinahubbard.com. In it, I share personal stories, podcast episode news, poetry, and links to helpful things I find on the internet that have to do with art and faith. And when you subscribe, you'll get a free meditation as my gift to you for being a part of this community. Until next time, remember, you don't have to know the way you are going. You know the maker of the way, and he has given you this day, filled with people to love, a purpose to use your passion, and a voice for his glory.